Welcome back to the second episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm Jack, and I'm joined by Matt, Logan, and Sean. And we got a lot to talk about today. We are an Eagles podcast of people who work for PHL Sports Nation. You can find us at phlsportsnation.com. We all write about the Eagles. So I'll let them all give a chance to introduce themselves, and we'll get into it. So if anyone wants to start. All right. Hi, my name is Matt Lupe. Uh, my name is Logan Banker. And I'm um, Sean McMenamin. Yep, so we're an Eagles podcast, obviously. I already mentioned that. So we got a lot to talk about. So if Matt wants to give a game recap of the Eagles' loss to the Vikings. All right, so last Sunday the Eagles took on the Vikings at home. Uh, it was a 23-21 loss. The game came with some good and bad. As you can see, if you watch the game, um, game start off with the Vikings coming out hot. Uh, went into halftime 17-3. to Adam Thielen with a touchdown. Linville Joseph with a fumble recovery for a touchdown, but it could have been worse. Dan Bailey ended up missing two field goals that half. Jake Elliott catching on a field goal, making it 17-3. to um, Second half, things got interesting. Eagles were down 20-3, to and then Jake Elliott kicked a field goal. Small would end up catching a touchdown pass from Wentz, making it 20-14. to Dan Bailey... Kicked a field goal, making it 23-14. to Zach Ertz caught a touchdown pass towards the end. And as time was about to expire, the Eagles attempted an onside kick to Adam Thielen. Thielen bobbled the ball, but ended up recovering it. Vikings got the ball and were in victory formation after that. Yeah, I think for a split second, we all thought that the Eagles got the ball after Thielen fumbled. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think that's a good segue into um, some observations and some uh good and bad from the game. So from what I saw, it seemed very similar to the first four games this season. We were consistently inconsistent, and all the problems that happened the first four weeks just continued into this week. There was poor play calling from Doug Peterson, such as a third-and-one pitch to Josh Adams instead of doing a quarterback sneak with Carson Wentz. I found that really questionable. And then the decision to punt to take a five-yard penalty instead of attempting a 50-yard field goal, and that obviously really hurt considering we lost by two. And then um, we had bad blocking yet again. Carson Wentz was under pressure pretty much all game. Lane Johnson allowed a strip sack for the second straight game, which took us out of, an, out of a scoring opportunity when we're down 7-3. And then, obviously, our secondary was really bad yet again. Jalen Mills allowed 100-plus yards to Adam Thielen, and uh, penalties were a huge issue yet again. Like, some of those illegal formation penalties, which is completely unacceptable. And, yeah. But, as you said, uh, Matt, in the second half, we looked pretty good Um. It was some good stuff to build on for, for the next game. Our offense got rolling. We only allowed six points in the second half, and we even forced a turnover to give our offense a chance to take the lead. So I found that really encouraging. Yeah, and also about the Josh Adams play, I didn't think that the toss necessarily was the bad call, but what I thought interesting was they didn't use Ajayi, Sproul, um, Clement, or Smallwood. They used the fourth-string running back instead of one of those three. And at that point, Ajayi was still healthy, and we'll talk about that later, but why not use Ajayi or Clement, especially, like, Josh Adams on a third down in a must-win game? I don't really understand that. Yeah, I thought that was a really questionable call as well. I mean, Doug Peterson, I think going forward, he has to be much more consistent with his, like, play calling, and due to that, I think uh, missing Frank Wright and uh, John Filippo might have, has, like, a uh, impact on that because, I mean... The the play calling just has got to be better. And with the loss of those coaches, that could be a reason as to why it is. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's definitely missing his assistant coach and offensive coordinator there. Um, it seems like he's kind of making decisions on his own now, and he's not as confident in those um, short yardage plays and fourth downs. He's kind of playing a conservative, and that's not the Doug Peterson that we know and that we love. Um, one thing from the game that stuck out to me and to everybody that I think we need to address is that Michael Bennett roughing the passer play. So if you yeah. want to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, that was that was really something. Uh, that I was, I was just terrible. I was, yeah, I was pretty upset when I saw that. <laughs> like, what is he supposed to do? It's not like he – I get that they're trying to uh, enforce the part about not going below the knees, but, like, he didn't even tackle him, like, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty honestly, much a slow motion. What is he supposed to do? Exactly, because first of all, he got pushed into him, number one. Number two, he first made contact like at his waist, maybe mm-hmm. not even a little lower, and then and then he slowly went down. Yeah, that was – honestly, I thought that was kind of a turning point in a way because the Eagles just lost some momentum because, I mean, the Vikings would have been faced with a tough third down there, and but instead they get a touchdown right before half, which is yeah. kind of yeah. but I mean – Got to move on from penalties like that, you know. Yeah, I did not agree with that at all. And um, the referee at the end said that he was going for the knees, which obviously none of us really saw. Um, he looked like it was a really gentle um, sack there. And I think all these um, new rules around roughing the passer and impacting the way um, defenders are playing the game. I don't know if you guys remember earlier in the game, Kirk Cousins was thrown to his right, and Chris Long was right in his face. And instead of going for the hit, Chris Long just jumps up right in the air, trying to deflect the pass. But he was about a foot away from him. He could have easily put a hit on him and forced a sack. But instead, Long was playing conservative because he didn't want that extra 15 yards. So it's kind of taken away a whole dimension of the game there with around pressures. Yeah, I wrote about um, just one last thing on the penalty. I wrote about this. My article on Monday, the NFL is pretty much getting what they want, though, with this rule because quarterbacks are staying healthy. I don't think any quarterbacks really suffered a major injury this year yet. And um, fans are still watching the game. Obviously, people like us are still analyzing the game. And the NFL is not going to fall to criticism. They faced plenty of criticism over the last few years. So I don't think that any change to this rule is going to come anytime soon. So as fans, like we just got to get accustomed to seeing that. And it's going to be really frustrating. Yeah, before we move on, I just had a question for you guys. Do you think – Wentz's hit on the ACL tear would have been rough in the passer this year? Uh, no, mm-hmm. just because he was out of the pocket and he was making like a running play. If he was in the pocket, it would have been different. But yeah. because he was trying to yeah. run for a touchdown, it's different. Yeah, he was, he was going for a run. And also, um, they were, in, rather than trying to like, um, like rough the passer to say, they were try- the Rams were trying to prevent a touchdown there. And get the tackle at the goal line. They weren't necessarily going for a sack or uh, a tackle for short yardage. Yeah, it's interesting you brought uh, Wentz up though, Jack, because last week against the Titans, there was one play where Wentz was in the pocket, he was making the throw, and he got clocked across the face. He pretty much got yeah. punched in the face, yeah. and there was no flag or anything. But when Kirk Cousins gets hit, pretty much in the butt, there's a flag. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, make really. sense. They got, I think they got to be more consistent with that call if they're gonna call it more often. You know. And you yeah. think Wentz would get a call over Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> I mean, with his talent and all. All right, so now if you guys, we can move on to stock up and stock down. And my players for stock up, I have two, Zach Ertz, and this might be surprising to some people, but Wendell Smallwood. 
So I chose Zach Ertz because he had a great outing on Sunday with 10 receptions for 110 yards and one touchdown. And he's really been consistent all season long as he's had a total of 437 receiving yards in five games and been a reliable option for Wentz to go to as an answer security blanket. And I chose Wendell Smallwood as well because despite making a uh, key drop pass on third down early in the game, he came back, um, had a huge touchdown at the end, which cut it to, I'm not sure what time was in the game, but cut it to like seven points. Um, and then he also had a total of 71 yards catching and rushing. And I just thought he can, moving forward, he, he'll have definitely have a bigger role with Ajayi after the season. And now going to stock down, I chose um, Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, and or just the secondary as a whole. So Jalen Mills, because he gave up huge chunk plays, especially on the do- double move to uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and they just couldn't really find an answer to stop Kirk Cousins in the passing game as he threw for 301 yards. And Diggs and Thielen also combined for 207 receiving yards in the game. Um, and also Sidney Jones, because he allowed a completion every time he was targeted and also missed two tackles on Sunday, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, and then another stock down I have is the offensive line. Uh, as Wentz was sacked, Wentz has been sacked 12 times and hit 27 times since his return in week three, according to Brandon Lee Gowton. And some of this, some of the reasons as to why is Lane Johnson hasn't been up to par compared to last year, as well as um, Jason, uh, Jason Peters as well. He's had some uh, questionable penalties, including false starts and holding. Yeah, yeah holding. Yep. Uh, and then also Johnson has allowed two strip sacks in the past two weeks which has led to 10 points for the opposing team as when they got the ball back. And to put this all into perspective for Lane Johnson, he was a first-team All-Pro last year and only allowed one sack in 2017 as he went up against some of the best defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So this is not the case this year, and I think he'll have to step up his game moving forward. Yeah, I like your uh, players there. I'm before I get into mine, I'd like to build off yours. Um, I picked Smallwood last week for my stock up, and I think he did play well. But despite that um, one play that you mentioned, the drop pass, um, the coaches love him. Wentz said he played well in his press conference today. Uh, it's really important that Smallwood's getting a bigger role, and he's finishing runs hard, and he's um, getting utilized in the passing game as well, which is good to see. And going off your Lane Johnson comment, he did start off the game really poorly, um, gave up the strip sack. And at the end of the game, he mentioned to reporters that he was over-kicking on his blocks. And um, to his viewers, what that means is when an offensive lineman or offensive tackle starts to play, they take that huge step back to prevent the DN from going around them. And Johnson was taking, like, two or three big steps back, and the DN would go right into his inside side and get to the quarterback quickly. So he's creating too much of a big hole. So I like how Johnson acknowledged his mistakes and kind of focused on something to work on. Um, going into my stock up, I would like to pick uh, Avante Maddox because although the secondary is bad, Avante Maddox started at safety 
for the first time ever. I mean, he, he got looks at safety last week, but this is the first time starting. And he played pretty well. Um, he lined up against guys very well. And on that play that Jalen Mills got beat by Adam Thielen, he prevented a touchdown there. Jalen Mills was on the ground, and Maddox ran him down with that speed. So I think he did a really good job, and I think it's important for them to develop Maddox right now um, while they don't have McLeod. Yeah. And then um, stock down, I want to focus on the linebackers because the linebackers with Jordan Hicks coming back and Nigel Bradham getting re-signed, it looks like this is going to be a huge strength, but linebackers aren't playing very well in coverage. As you could see very clearly in the beginning of the game, there was some short passes across the middle that were just getting completed for seven, eight yards, and that adds up. Um, those are the key plays of drives that keep drives moving, and you can't really have that. You need, I mean, Hicks is a turnover machine. When he was starting a couple of years ago, I mean, he was getting forced fumbles and interceptions all over the place. You really need that playmaking back, and Nigel Bradham is so good in coverage and tackling. They need to get that coverage skills back and um, help solidify that defense. Yeah, I would say for um, my stock up, I would say uh, Fletcher Cox. I don't think he really made any incredible, like, sending out plays in the game, but he was really the first guy to take charge with anything this season when he told Jalen Mills to pretty much stop running his mouth after he made one good play on Adam Thielen. Uh, he gave Mills a really good wake-up call, and um, he just showed how valuable he was as a teammate there. And obviously, we know how important he is on the field. He's our best defensive lineman. He's our best defender. Um, so, yeah, I think that was really key that he did that. Hopefully, that helps Mills going forward. And then a uh, stock down. I'm going to say Jordan Matthews. I don't think he made any impact at all last game. I don't even know how much he stepped on the field. It wasn't that much. And um, a lot of people thought that Matthews would be like our answer for our number three receiver. And clearly that's not the case. This game, we didn't need him just because Zach Ertz had another 10-catch game. But Jordan Matthews really hasn't made much impact other than that uh, 55-yard or 56-yard touchdown last week against Tennessee. Yeah, um, for mine, I'll, I'll talk about the third-round receiver position. I, my stock up, even though he only had one catch, is going to be Shelton Gibson because Shelton Gibson was drafted to be a deep threat outside receiver. And I honestly think by this week he'll prove that he's a better receiver than Matthews and move Matthews down to the fourth. But that play in, I believe it was the middle of the first quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that long deep ball wasn't wasn't the best throw by Wentz, but Gibson adjusted, and I believe it was the same drive. If Smallwood didn't drop that pass on third down, probably scored, could have scored a touchdown. So that's why stock up. I would like to see him get a couple more catches rather than just one deep ball game. But he that's my stock up. And stock down. I mean, there weren't many players that did well on Sunday. I mean, you could honestly say the whole team except Wentz, but. In specific, I'm going to say Isaac Samalu. And we'll, I'm going to talk about that after this, but he, I honestly had faith in him. I was like, if the Eagles are benching Wisniewski, there's got to be something they see in him. But I really don't see it. Doug's made some questionable comments about it. And I really don't see what they see in him. Maybe he can prove me wrong on Thursday. But Samalu did not show why the Eagles believed in him. And if he keeps allowing pressure like he did on Sunday, then they're not going to win many games. But that, yeah, that's a great tran- transition into the Wisniewski benching. So if you you definitely know if you followed the team. But Steven Wisniewski, a huge part of the Super Bowl run, has been benched for Isaac Samalu. And 
people have different theories. Some say it was just because they thought Wisniewski was getting up, up there in age and wasn't performing well. With some people, like including Wisniewski, think it's because Sayamala was a high draft pick. I'm honestly very confused why they benched him. Wisniewski was a key part of the Super Bowl run. And I read a stat on Twitter today that uh, Sayamala allowed five or six pressures in the game on Sunday, and Wisniewski allowed four all season. So I honestly don't believe Doug. I like to believe him most of the time. But if he says it's performance-based, I don't really get it. Because if that stat is accurate, then that makes no sense. I think it's because they want Wisniewski to shine because he was a high draft pick and they don't want it to turn into a bust. I really don't know. That could be wrong. There could be another reason. I saw on Twitter someone else said it could have been Jason Peters trying to trying to get him benched. But, I mean, if you guys have any other idea, I, I'm just lost. Yeah, I want to go off that Jason Peters remark. I saw the same thing you're. I think you're referring to. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, so the stuff I was looking into, Jason Peters has done this in his career where he reaches out to the coaching staff and um, bases the offensive line off his style of play. And he did this. I'm pretty sure it said Evan Mathis was the last yeah. Um, player yeah, that, that he played next. Something. Okay, yeah, so um, – he would go to the coaching staff, and he didn't like Mathis's play. So he um, wanted a different guard beside him because it was affecting how Peters played. Because if you had um, two offensive linemen that weren't playing well, um, you want to switch one so you get one good, and then one maybe a little bit poor, but at least you have your all-pro Jason Peters playing the way he wants to, and they're going to respond to that. So maybe he did go to the coaches and say, hey, I don't like how Wisniewski's playing next to me. And they're going to respond to Jason Peters nine times out of ten because he has the respect of that franchise and um, he's going to get what he wants. So that's something to look into. I'm not sure if he would do that in this scenario, but um, it's obviously a theory. Yeah, if he were to do that, that'd be really concerning considering how the season's gone so far just because having a strong locker room is really important. But um, I completely agree with you guys. I don't really understand Wisniewski being benched. Um, He hasn't really been much of the issue this year when he was playing. Peters, Kelsey, and Lane Johnson have all been really iffy, and they didn't make any difference at all, like for blocking for Wentz. And then with Sayamalu, he was not good yesterday or on Sunday on his first possession of the um, or on the first drive of the game. He allowed one hurry on Wentz, and then he allowed a sack as well. And then with Wisniewski, though, I didn't like what he said after the game too as well. He pretty much inferred that he didn't agree with Doug's decision to bench him, and that he thought it was something other than performance based. And I understand his frustrations, but. Like I said with Peters, it's really important to stay strong in the locker room if we are going to come back from this. So, I mean, it's just a really confusing situation. Yeah, and he took that frustration at Twitter, which I, I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to or press conference, but I don't think that's the right thing to do because once you see players going out of the locker room onto their uh, social media, like that's when stuff starts getting going awry. Um, yeah. He says that although he wasn't playing bad, he got benched. It's frustrating, but no matter – what I'll praise Jesus and that he is in control and is good. So he's yeah. kind of um, bashing the coaching staff, which is not good, and that's not what you want in your team. Yeah, he went. He's what when I, what I was talking about was in a press conference, and then the fact that he went to Twitter too is even worse. So that's two times now that he's taking on his frustration. Yeah, and I also saw um, one story on Twitter that I, I don't agree with this at all, but something <laughs> into that he was benched to prevent injury because they might be looking to put him as a piece for a trade. Who's that? 
um, Wisniewski. They, uh, the um, theory I saw was they're benching Wisniewski so he doesn't get hurt because he might be a key piece in a trade coming up. Oh. Hmm. That, I mean, that could make sense, but I don't. if that came out before Ajayi, I don't really understand that, who they would be trading yeah. for. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, they definitely should have to – it's key to stick together as a team and not get down each other in the locker room because once that happens, then, I mean, the whole season could be a little in turmoil. So, moving forward, um, the veterans pretty much just got to step up. Uh, Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, hopefully they can take the reins of this offensive line moving forward and just protect Wentz better, and hopefully they can solve all their problems and we can get back on track to winning. Yeah, and speaking of stepping up, we got a lot of stepping up to do with JJ out for the year with the torn ACL. Um, this came as a surprise to many. I did not um, see a specific play in the game where he went down. Um, he looked fine, and he even wanted more carries at the end of the game. So um, he probably seemed like he was fine, but he did tear his ACL. It has been confirmed, and he is now in the IR. And JJ might be done as an eagle because he is in a contract year, and it's tough to see running backs stay with the Eagles the way they run things. Um, but what really um, puts some, it's really like intrigues the Eagles to make a trade now because they're down to Smallwood, Sproles, Clement, and Adams as their running backs. And while that is feasible, they can run with that. There are better options out there, whether it be a trade or pick up somebody at the free agency. And there's been many names linked to the Eagles in the past 12 hours. Um, some include Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Jordan Howard, Amir Abdallah, Theoretic, um, Bilal Powell. Um, I might be missing some here. LaShawn McCoy is the big one that we saw the news today. Um, and Re- Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell was the first one. Oh. Um, yeah, you're good. Um, so... There's a lot of buzz around the Eagles making a trade right now, and something that adds to the buzz last night, Adam Schefter reported that on Friday the Eagles restructured Fletcher Cox's contract, so now they have about $6.5 million um, freed up for this year from his contract and over eleven for next year. So they're making space for something, but what interests me the most is that they made this move on Friday, and um, JHI went down on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they had something in mind. And they're not going to free space like that just for nothing to happen. Um, So I don't know if it's going to be a running back. I don't know if they're going to look into the secondary. I don't know if they're still still looking for a receiver. I don't really know what's going on because they're not known for making big moves at the running back position. J.J. was the biggest one we've seen. Um, Like, I I really don't know what they're, where they're going with this. Yeah. You mentioned um, how Ajay's time as an Eagle could be up. I'm honestly concerned that this injury could be a career-altering one for him just because he's had major knee issues going forward. He has that, uh, or back in the past, um, he, he had that uh, bone-on-bone issue, and that's never a good situation. I think he tore the ACL on the opposite knee, too, so not, that's not both knees that are severely damaged. And uh, he's in a contract year, and his rehab will probably stretch in the next season just because it's so hard for a running back to come back from ACL. I mean, look at Davin Cook. He didn't even play on Sunday. He's been really struggling ever since he returned from that torn ACL. And um, I think LaShawn McCoy, though, that's a really intriguing option. Right now, I think the Bills, is reported they're looking for a second and third round pick, which is really steep for him, just considering his age and everything. But I don't believe be- that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, I'm thinking about a fourth round pick. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, something similar to what uh, we got for a Jai. I think that's just made up. I don't, I, there's no way they want that. Yeah, I mean, with McCoy kind of on the decline, like, I, I don't, just don't see it as that, that much, but, uh, I mean, I, I love McCoy. I loved him when he was here, as with every Eagles fan out there. Yeah. I was very disappointed when he was out. But, yes, he has been on the Bills for multiple years, and he's not the same player that he once was. And the Eagles don't really need that game-changer like Le'Veon Bell that they're linked to or they have been linked to. So getting LaShawn McCoy does make sense because they do have Corey Clement, which they want to run a lot. Um, and another name that I saw... I'm not sure if this is just rumors or what, but the guy that I'm most interested in is Kevin Coleman because his contract this year is under a million dollars because he's still on his rookie deal. He's um, going to be a free agent after this year, so the Falcons may be moving him or letting him walk in free agency because they have Devontae Freeman. They have Ido Smith, who's been, been playing a lot. Um, so Coleman might be an option for the Eagles because – he has a lot of experience. Um, he runs the ball well. He catches the ball well. And he was a featured back for that Falcons team. Yeah, I don't know if um, the Falcons would consider moving Coleman just because of the fact that Freeman himself had any injuries. So I don't know if they would be willing to take that risk on uh, banking on his health. But, um, I mean, Coleman would definitely be a good fit with us. Yeah, any other names you guys saw? Um, not necessarily. Yeah. Did we mention Jordan Howard? Yes. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that's intriguing. Yeah. I think if we uh, were to not make any moves, though, um, it wouldn't be a disaster. I saw a stat today, Wendell Smallwood on the season. I think he has something like 25 carries for 150 yards and then two combined touchdowns through the ground in the air. So that's really intriguing. I don't, I don't know if he'd be able to withstand a big workload every game, but he's certainly capable. Yeah, the running yeah. backs they have are good, but, like, Losing a Jai, the biggest piece, you're looking at guys who contribute a little bit, now contribute a lot. So I think a move is the best option. And going back to Jordan Howard, the Bears are probably the um, most desperate team right now because they unloaded a lot of high-round picks for Khalil Mack. So they might be trying to rebuild their draft picks for years to come. So third or fourth-round pick might be very attractive to them. Yeah, if um, so we obviously got a big game this week against the Giants. So, Logan, you want to give a quick preview yeah. of the game? Yes, um, I think this is as big of a much-win game as possible this early in the season. Obviously, it's only week six, but still, it's against a division rival, and we really can't afford to fall to two and six, considering we have Carolina the week after that, and then we have to travel to London to play Jacksonville. And considering our offensive line and our offensive struggles, that's not gonna. As of right now, that's not looking like a good opportunity for our team. But um, that said, I think we'll I think we'll do well uh, Thursday night because, as I said before, we make, we took some really good strides against Minnesota, and I think that can translate against the Giants. Um, hopefully, our offense will finally get rolling early, even without Ajay. But I mean, as every defense is, I'm concerned about facing uh, Odell Beckham Jr. just because of our issues with the deep ball. Um, but if we are able to get Eli pressure on Eli like we did with all the other quarterbacks. I think that'll definitely limit his ability to take deep shots. And for the Giants, they're kind of in a similar situation as us. They should have won last week against Carolina, if not for that Graham Gano 63-yard field goal, which, first of all, I don't know if they should have even been able to take that field goal. I don't think the Panthers got a first down on that. Mm -hmm. But, um, oh, yeah. 
either way, I think we'll come out strong, and I think we'll at least start to put some of it together against the Giants. Yeah, definitely. If we can't get it going against the Giants, we're not going to get it going against anyone. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we need to get more pressure on the QB, and instead of just rushing four uh, defensive linemen every play, I think we need to maybe send like a few more blitzes in Jim Schwartz's scheme. Because if we can get pressure on Eli, then he's going to have a long day. And if they get at least more pressure than what they have been doing in these past five games, then I think the secondary will step up in a way to just contain Odell and do their part, kind of how they contained – I don't want to say contained Julio in the first game, but he didn't have any touchdowns. So maybe we could go toward doing that in this game and just preventing like deep throws or double moves and improvement pretty much. Yeah, and I'm going to expect, expect another close game. I know we've had five already, but it is a division game. And last year against the Giants, they were very close games. The first one coming down to a field goal at the end. Um, and one thing that stuck out to me last year was the Giants' offensive line was very poor as it is this year. And the Eagles were expecting a lot of sacks. But the Giants completely altered their scheme and threw a lot of short screens to um, Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. So I think... The Eagles really need to step up their tackling because they need to expect that because the Giants have given up a lot of sacks and they need to make sure that they can stop Odell Beckham early on the short place. Yeah. As far as the pass rush pass rush goes, um, we are getting Derek Barnett back next week, and he's been one of our best pass rushers so far this season, so that would definitely help getting pressure on Eli's in, in terms of giving um, four-man rushes. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, now, now I think is a good time to go into some bold predictions for this team. So I'm saying I'm predicting that Alshon Jeffrey will have over 100 receiving yards and two touchdowns due to the fact that the Giants have given up 229 uh, passing yards per game. Uh, another bold prediction would be I think Carson Wentz will have a great game, throw for over 300 yards and at least three touchdowns and spread the ball around and get more of the uh, running backs involved. I think hopefully if Clement returns, he'll have an impact on the game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think they'll step up and get two turnovers, either two interceptions by the corners or uh, an interception or a fumble recovery. And, yeah. I'm going to add one more. I'm going to say Saquon Barkley rushes for under 70 yards. I know the Eagles hold running backs to under 50 yards on occasions, but Barkley's a very talented back. I think um, under 70 yards is very um, doable for the Eagles' run defense, and I think that's very important in that game. I think that if basically a majority of Saquon's yards have been on big plays, such as the play against the Jaguars, the play against the Panthers, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Wait, was it yesterday? No, Sunday. It's playing Sunday, but if they can just stop the big plays, I'm sure they can hold them to under 70 yards. If there's not one play where he takes off on the first play, like in week two against the Bucks. Yeah, like I said, they need to shore up their tackling because um, he's very shifty. He can juke anybody out. He uses the spin move a lot. So they need to uh, make sure he doesn't get in space one-on-one because chances are he's going to win that matchup. Yeah. Uh, for my bull prediction, I'm going to say uh, Zacherts will have his third straight, game, third straight game of at least 10 receptions and 100 yards. 
He's been uh, Carson Wentz's uh, safety blanket all season, and I'm sure that'll continue this game with um, not the best Giants defense. Um, I'll go with mine. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give two. I'm gonna say the Eagles sack Eli Manning five times. I don't like obviously that's a lot, but I don't really consider that bold because if you get pressure on Eli, he's get, he gets scared in the pocket. He cannot. If you touch him, he's going to fall down. You can't. He's not going to escape the pocket. It's going to be very easy, especially if Barnett plays. And the second one, I'm going to say that kind of building on the Saquon thing that Odell and Saquon Barkley will combine for less than 150 scrimmage yards and no touchdowns from either of them. Because if, especially if Evan Engram doesn't play, they're their two main options. So, And Darby has had success on Odell in the past when he paid for Buffalo. So if Darby can lock down Odell, and the tackling and the and the defensive line to get can get to Barkley. I think that's an achievable goal of less than 150 scrimmage yards. Definitely, I think uh, Evan Ingram is going to play Thursday. Though they said that he practiced at full full speed today, so I would expect him to play Thursday. Yeah, but he's probably. I mean, he's not going to be like at. He, uh, yeah, he is going to make an impact on the game, but still should not really change much. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe won't be 100, percent but yeah. We'll be yeah. Out there. Mm-hmm. Let's hope Sidney Jones is back too. Yeah, he yeah. Pa- he practiced fully today. Okay, good. That's a good sign. Definitely. I think that should wrap it up. Is there anything right. you guys want to say? No, that's it. Yep. Yeah, it's all good. All right, so thank you guys for listening to the second episode of the Birds Banter podcast. Whether you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even on Anchor, we appreciate it. So we will have another episode next Wednesday, and let's hope the Eagles win this week, because if they don't, it's probably the season. Mm -hmm. Yep, so thank you guys once again, and we'll see you next time.